Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. This week on Highways Voices, we hear about an overnight success... 10 years in the making. We know what a connected digital urban ecosystem looks like and how eventually everything connects within the city, which is the strapline that we've adopted. Grid Smarter Cities have their patented solution for curbside management and it's been launched in London. So we meet up at the Smart Mobility Living Lab to find out more. So stop and unload for half an hour with Highways Voices. Highways Voices, in association with partner organisations, the Transport Technology Forum, ITS UK, Elkrig and Adept. Neil Heron is our guest today on Highways Voices. He'll be up in a mo after Adrian's take on the highwaysnews.com news stories. Aggregate Industries has won a five-year, £47 million road repair and maintenance contract. This is across 3,000 miles of highways in Leicester and Leicestershire. The company was successful in its joint tender bid for carriageway patching, including pothole repairs for Leicestershire County Council and Leicester City Council. The new multi-million pound contract includes all of the required works, including excavation and milling, removal of road planings, provision of material and the machine laying and compaction of asphalt material. More than 20 sites across Telford and Rekin covering thousands of square metres will be patched and resurfaced as part of an extensive annual programme they have going this year. Surface dressing and patching will take priority, as well as filling in holes and cracks in the surface. More than 70,000 square metres, the equivalent of 27 football pitches, will be improved as Telford and Reakin Council delivers the scheme worth £1.1 million, part of the planned £21 million highways programme starting at the end of this month. And the £6.9 million programme of works to improve and maintain some of West Yorkshire roads and paths is recommended for approval at a council meeting this week. Scheme is earmarked for towns and villages, including Calderdale, Halifax, Bridge House and Hepton Bridge. It includes £3.17 million for road maintenance and £1.74 million to help maintain structures, including bridges. Councils have also been asked to approve work to tackle more potholes. When it comes to highways and transport, we are the only place you need to go for everything you need to know. We are Highways News. We're online, we're on LinkedIn and we're on Twitter and into your inbox every lunchtime. If you sign up to our daily email, you can find out more at highways-news.com. Swarco improves quality of life by making the travel experience safer, quicker, more convenient and environmentally sound. From software-as-a-service traffic management solutions to parking, VMS, EV charging and road marking too, find out how Swarco can deliver more efficient and safer traffic management. Swarco, the better way every day. A few weeks ago on Highways Voices, we learned about the Smart Mobility Living Lab and its work to turn great ideas into reality on the streets of London. Well, one of the companies that's involved in the SMLL is Grid Smarter Cities, which has launched its Curb product for curbside management. It explains that Curb is a dynamic digital booking platform that makes finding a curbside location to unload and deliver goods hassle-free. Managing in a city curb space at a hyper-local level, enabling advanced bookable loading slots that give drivers more delivery certainty and less risk of penalty charge notice charges. So I met up with founder Neil Heron in the control room at the SMLL in Woolwich to find out more about why this is such a big idea 
and firstly, why he used the lab to support the development. Well, I think the realisation that the curbside was going to be an enabler and not a blocker, and the technology's there to enable it, I think the Smart Mobility Living Lab was an essential part of where we went next. Now, I introduced the basics of Grid Smarter Cities and what you do in the introduction, but expand on that. Um, explain to me what's, what's different about your solution and why your solution is so needed in cities. Well, the solution is needed in cities because we currently operate a first-come, first-served approach at the curb space, and it's who fights, who gets there first which leads to vehicles circling around looking for space, a lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted effort. And all we've done is applied a degree of common sense. You wouldn't open an airport and just tell the planes to turn up at any time they wished and land wherever they want. And we're treating the curbside in the same sort of fashion. So you're guaranteed a slot. If the slot's booked by a rogue vehicle or occupied by a rogue vehicle, we'll spin up an alternative pre-approved loading option so that you have access to the curb space, whether it's direct with the booking or indirect with an alternative loading option. And what does that mean for a city by formalising and therefore better managing it? Well, it opens up what effectively is a two-dimensional piece of real estate into a three-dimensional flexible digital asset. And that can be monetized, it can be optimised and better used for each one of the different verticals that access the curb space. What inspired you? What, where did the idea come from in the first this place? Is, this is a long, long story. I haven't spent most of my life in the gutter staring at lines and signs and staring upwards towards the, the traffic orders and the operation of cities. I got involved, uh, I was handling parking tickets for some of the large commercial freight operators who, some of them had a millionaires club that you had to have a million pounds worth of parking tickets a year before you, you were able to join. And we started doing some operations with the brewery logistics sector and it seemed obvious that that vehicle needed to be next to the cellar doors to deliver but in many times there was a restriction of or a prohibition of loading there so it was how does that vehicle deliver being the pubs and into the cellar in the most efficient manner and you can't really carry 70 kilogram kegs down the street from a loading bay 200 yards away so it became obvious that you could create a dispensation or a waiver at the location at a time that least impacted on on network and traffic flows and that was where the concept of the virtual loading bay came from and that goes back to 2011, 2012, and it was a patented concept. We, we filed for patents around this and the bookable space. They were eventually granted, so we've got a patent-protected solution that we can take forward with cities now, complemented by zonal permits, extended loading times, because the rules and legislation which exists at the moment is not really fit for purpose for today's 21st century freight and logistics movement. And the key to accessing the curb as well as part of a last mile logistics operation is essential and you've got to get there because there's no point in being efficient all the way up the supply chain and you get to the curb and then you've got to circle around for 20 minutes before you can drop your goods. So it's about taking that holistic approach to the full end-to-end -to -end A to B journey and say right if we can monetize and optimize the curb space because the operators are quite prepared to pay to be there because they're guaranteed a slot and they become more efficient in doing so. So it's just about effectively the, the, the practicalization and the digitization of common sense. 
So what curbside are we talking about? We're talking about high street where you've got shops and you're, you're having to unload and you mentioned about a pub and, and getting the, the, the beers into the pub. Or are you talking about we're sitting here in the control room at SMLL and we can see screens showing white vans driving here, there and everywhere. I'd say a good proportion of the vehicles that we're, we're looking at on this screen here are delivery vehicles. Are we talking about delivering to residential streets or are they two completely different things? Two completely different things. The, the residential streets tend not to have a high volume of traffic and we're looking at areas where you have physical loading bay provision and also areas which have single and double yellow lines and you can load and unload on single and double yellow lines but often the restrictions are restrictive. In some instances you might be allowed 20 minutes loading in one location would go to minute 21 and you get a ticket and that doesn't make sense if you're encouraging consolidated loads to come into a city which are going to take longer to offload and then penalising the driver or penalising the company for being there just a little bit longer than they should. It makes sense that we reduce the number of vehicles, give them longer dwell times and what we've created there is an extension or a loading dwell extension so that the, the operator doesn't get a PCM for doing business. And so, as you say, it is about just turning up at a, a location and knowing, A, when you get there, you can have somewhere to actually stop to do your unloading, and B, that you, you're going to pay a fair price for it and not a penalty price that will be uh, charged to, to you for, which, which would fit in, you know, that that's justified to people who are turning up and, and parking in the wrong place because they're just ignoring the rules. Here, you're uh, fitting the rules around the uh, demand. We're making the rules work more flexibly and in a dynamic fashion. And if the demand is there, the demand needs to be managed. And the better way to manage it is to have guaranteed slots where you can land and permissions where you can, in bigger zonal areas, to take the permission that you allow certain protocols to be adopted and if you adopt those protocols so you can allow a longer dwell time for a parcel delivery company on a single yellow line for instance because they can use that as a micro hub and do more deliveries on foot so the vehicle isn't blocking traffic it's not causing congestion and it's allowing a more optimized approach to to delivering goods okay so how does it work we're gonna you know the any town high street has got single yellow lines, double yellow lines along it, and some parking spaces with a pay and display machine, for example. Where do you fit in your solution? How does it work? So we fit in where the loading bays are. So you can have a stretch of loading bays, and what we'll do is change them to permit-only bays. So you need a digital permit to access the loading bay. There'll still be loading provision elsewhere in the town. Uh, we can expand that to have alternative loading options on single and double yellow lines. But it's just about looking at, from a very, very hyper-local and granular perspective, at what the curbside need is at that location, what type of vehicles are accessing it, what businesses need to be served, and then scaling that up across the city. So it, it isn't a, a single solution, it's a suite of solutions that can be applied to get the best outcome of the curb space. And what benefits does the city see? Have you got sort of tangible benefits on congestion or emissions or anything like that? Yeah, we commissioned Stantec to do a report on if, if our solution was applied across the whole of London. And the figures came back that the operators would, would effectively see a 20% efficiency in their operations. So it's a great gain for them, especially when, when they're on tight margins. Uh, reduction in miles driven 
reduction in miles driven leads to reduction in the carbon footprint of the vehicles, decarbonisation approach, fewer vehicles driving around leads to improved air quality, so the knock-on benefits across the whole of London and society in general, and then the big general impact on climate change, it's a win-win for everybody. This is fascinating, Neil, because I've spent the last decade plus talking to people who have great ideas. Every time I talk to them, I just think this is brilliant. This makes such utter sense. Uh, why isn't it everywhere already? What is the holdup between turning up with something that you can tangibly give a benefit that is greater than the cost and you can help them put that solution in what's the hold up for between you know coming up with that and actually getting people to go from yeah we like the idea to actually implementing the idea buying the idea uh, like I said it's, it's taken us 10 years to become an overnight success and during that journey it's about education awareness and bear in mind we're effectively selling to government so the B2G sale is a long one and it's a glacial process to gain an understanding of what the real problems are, how they can be identified and solved. We're not just dealing with one set of users at the curb space. You've got buses, you've got taxis, you've got micro-mobility solutions out there. You've got freight services and delivery that need access to the curb. So there's a multiple different vertical sector approach to have to be adopted and enshrined into what we're going to do for the future. So it's about looking at initially the digitization of the curb space, which the government has identified as a, as a way forward digitization of the TROs and then we can then sit as a permissions wrapper above the digitized curb space and it's working with the industry which we've done for the past 10 years to understand how food and beverage logistics are different from parcel deliveries are different from concrete delivery the construction sector has a different curbside need everybody has a demand on the curb space but it's how you create that permissions hierarchy to segment who uses the curbside at what time of the day and what would be the best use of that curbside at that time of the day. So there's a lot to do and it's to build it in so that it fits with current legislation and also can embrace the future aspiration for digital change in the legislation as well. Currently we have traffic orders which are quite static in the way that they're constructed. We want to be able to move to the future to have variable and digital signage which can change with the usage at the time of the day. So the total variable and flexible curbside. And then once we get to a fully connected digital city of the future, we're looking at the vehicle talking to the infrastructure without the interference of a drive. So we'll see the end of the parking ticket in a good few years' time. A bold prediction there from Neil, and we'll hear more from him in a moment after we've picked up with the latest from our podcast partners. Highways Voices, with the latest news and events from our partner organisations, Elkrig, Adept, the Transport Technology Forum and ITS UK. We'll start with ADEPT, which has published its response to the draft National Network's national policy statement covering strategic road and rail, which was last designated in 2014. While broadly welcoming the proposed changes, ADEPT has raised concerns, including the lack of investment and delivery framework and an inability to resolve the complex challenges facing the country's strategic road network. It argues the SRN has to support local places, not just through how it functions, but also in supporting local economies, house building and meeting net zero targets. The association also calls for greater clarity on the scale of strategic road network that will be required to meet future needs and the principles behind the further public sector investment. 
The local council roads innovation group Elkrig has launched an innovation procurement system in partnership with Crown Commercial Service with the aim of increasing the pace of change and giving greater control to Elkrig members to adopt innovation at a lower cost. The Elkrig IPS is designed to remove the hurdles in accessing information in the sector by creating a dynamic route for Elkrig members to access the market and engage with innovators nationally. Meanwhile, the Elkrig Innovation Festival is only a few weeks away and the Transport Technology Forum will be showcasing a number of cutting-edge connected vehicle solutions on site, showing this technology is not futuristic, but it's here and now. It's all been curated by leading connected vehicle expert Andy Graham and there'll be a demo track which delegates can ride on to see the latest in-car messaging, safety and data and loads more. You can keep an eye on Highways News for more details. And ITS UK has signed a partnership agreement with the Institute of Highway Engineers aimed at delivering greater benefits to their memberships and the wider sector. It sees mutual promotion of events, courses and activities. There'll be discounts. ITS UK events will now count towards the IHE's CPD programme and the two bodies will work together on policy development and representation to government. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. Now back to the Smart Mobility Living Lab and Grid Smarter Cities founder, Neil Heron. We're sitting in the Smart Mobility Living Lab. Now, this isn't a podcast where we're going to shoehorn in a sales pitch for the SMLL later on that you sometimes hear on, uh, on, on other podcasts where people will, will have a sort of subtle way of trying to flog something. What I'm just interested in is in your business... How has membership of SMLL helped you develop your product and then actually understand how to implement and sell your product? Organisations like SMLL are key to the driving forward of an understanding from a government perspective of what, of what needs to change, what exists currently, what the stresses and, and pains are at the curbside and with traffic and movement of goods and people generally. And so the third party endorsement of solutions like ours is essential. And the position that the government is now taking with the curbside, if you if mentioned curbside management 10 years ago, everybody would say, well, what are you talking about? Because it was about parking and fines. If you didn't park correctly, you get a fine. So there was no traffic management intervention at that point. You could ticket vehicles to, to death and many of the commercial freight operators were being ticketed death to the, to the extent that some vehicles were, were just refusing to go into certain areas because they would, would be guaranteed a ticket which would cut the price of the job down to, to a loss. And so what we've had to do is take a very, very complicated landscape, complicated policy and legislative landscape, and try to iron it out into a shape that is easily understood. And the DFT's curbside management discovery project which was undertaken uh, a year or so ago and the white paper that TRL and SMLL are preparing is going to be key to, to bring before government the fact that this is an obvious way to go forward. We can deliver massive efficiency gains, reduction in carbon and an improvement in air quality from simple technical interventions but using technology as the enabling tool, technology that already exists and we can lead the way globally because I've travelled around the world over the past five or six years and would you believe that every single city in the world has the same problems when it comes to curbside and when it comes to deliveries in cities, same problem of congestion, poor air quality 
and we can solve that and create a great UK PLC export strategy off the back of something which is so obvious, going back to what you said, it is obvious, why aren't we doing it? Well, we didn't have the digital technology 10 years ago, we have now, we have an understanding of how the curve space works, we know what a connected digital urban ecosystem looks like and how eventually everything connects within the city, which is the strap line that we've adopted. And within, not quite a stone's throw, but just along the river from here, you've actually got a project where you can book the curb, that you can also book boats coming in and out of the uh, on the Thames. Um, how is that going? How have people embraced the the real world solution that is taking place on the streets of London? It's simple. It's straightforward. A boat comes up the river, docks at Bankside Wharf, and the vehicles that are going to offload are already booked in the spaces. They check in, load the goods, and away they go. It's not rocket science. It's the practical use of common sense, and it's been embraced as something which has been ready and waiting for everybody to, to make it happen. The London Borough of Southwark first wants to go ahead with, with the solution, uh, receiving great, great praise for actually having the vision and foresight to go ahead with something which is technically innovative but obvious, and uh, it's been received really well. And have you got any more in the pipeline? Yes, we've got uh, a number of interested authorities across the country and in London in particular. But if we look at the Bankside proposition, it's a river to road cross docking operation. So you can, you can say, well, is it scalable? Yes, you can scale it to riverside, bankside, wharfs in any city, or you can use rail depots, so rail depots to electric vehicles. You can use car parks as a cross-docking facility. Big vehicle comes into a, a low-utilised off-street car park, and then the vehicles, the onward delivery by electric vehicles. So that's easily transferable, and that is, again, part of the suite of solutions that can come with the bookable bay, the virtual loading bay, the loading extension. And then we can start applying the principles of curbside management to other vertical sectors, such as the care sector, the adult social care sector. There's a lot of time wasted in vehicles having to go and park legally somewhere, the carer then having to walk from the car park to deliver care, and you might be losing five or 10 minutes at the front end, five or 10 minutes at the back end. So 30 minutes worth of care ends up being 15 or 20 minutes because of the parking provision that's required. Whereas we could just create a dispensation or a waiver for that vehicle to be outside that house at that certain time and reduces the stress, the anxiety, the inefficiency and help deliver a better quality of care. And that's a simple parking waiver or parking dispensation management. Is that gonna to lead to an issue which actually comes over and over and over again in, in government? And, and Paul Campion, Chief Executive of uh, TRL, a year ago when we were at Intertraffic and I chatted to him there, pointed out that actually the joined up government is a, is a thing that we really need in transport because so much of transport affects other things. Yeah. But a perfect example he used of um, active travel, the more we encourage active travel and the more we make it possible for active travel with safer cycle lanes, you know, better pedestrian access, um, flatter cycle lanes for example, those things, if we could actually make some investments in transport into that, has a massive benefit to the health budget, so shouldn't the health budget be actually spending some money on there? Again, yeah. in the social care budget, 
I can't imagine a local authority saying, right, we're going to invest in a curbside management scheme that is going to actually uh, improve social care, so we'll use some social care budget. That's never going to happen. So how are we going to square that circle? So, so what we're doing is we're making the case, we're showing a demonstrator, a test and a pilot, and the modelling that will come from taking that to scale. So for the adult social care budget of £25 billion a year, if you can create a 10% efficiency saving on that budget, it's £2.5 billion a year for just doing something which is just so obvious. And it doesn't make sense that the carer goes and parks in a car park, pays the local authority the car park fee, then comes back at the end of the month and claims that parking fee from the authority that commissioned the care agency in the first place. And so what we're doing is just taking the nonsense away. And again, the other strategies that sit together, DEFRA looking at a digital waste tracking service. Again, all of the waste, or the majority of waste in cities, commercial waste, comes from skips or dumpsters and commercial waste removal going from curbside to landfill. So it's quite easy then to start managing the curbside, looking at where that waste is coming from, looking at where it goes to, and applying uh, the, the principle of a digital twin of those vehicles as part of their council contract sharing the real-time movement information. So we can see that vehicle's gone from there to there, and it's delivered this amount of waste at the landfill site. So joining up the dots across government departments is essential and key to deliver the outcomes that we're looking for, which is decarbonisation, net zero, and improved air quality. You're a businessman, Neil, and I, I look at some of the things that you're talking about here and I think to myself, well, I've come up with ideas in the past. I think, oh, they should do that. And I don't know who they actually are, because actually I could have done it, but I've never quite necessarily had the, the wherewithal to get the funding to stick with it for a long time. You've talked about sticking with this for 10 years. When are you going to see a return on this and how are you going to turn Grid Smarter Cities into the, the, a business the size it needs to be that can scale this idea or are you in a position where actually you're now uh, touting for a big company, a multinational to come in and actually take your idea, take your solution and scale it for you? That's exactly right. So we've had We've had some great support from, uh, from private investors to date. We've had some support from government and various institutions such as Innovate UK and the Future Fund. And we've got to where we are now, which is on the cusp of global adoption for a curbside management solution. Like I say, nobody was talking about curbside management solutions 10 years ago. Now everybody's looking at the curbside as the last piece of, of real estate within the city that hasn't been optimised or monetised yet. So what's happening is there's a great deal of aggregation going on in the parking sector, in the parking space, in last mile logistics, because we have to do last mile logistics differently. So you've got the land grab that's going on, buying up off-street car parks to turn into uh, electric vehicle charging stations, uh, car parking stations during the day, overnight fleet storage during the evening. You've got vehicles that are going to be grazing at the curbside, charging up with electric, uh, electric vehicle charging stations at the curbside and it makes sense if you want to transition a vehicle to an electric vehicle that where it stops for 20 to 40 minutes doing its delivery it makes sense to have a rapid charger there so it can graze and top during the day so the players are coming in from the energy provision sector the land perspective and the management of parking because parking is peaked and so it's the other bit of the curbside which is not parking but freight servicing and delivery where the real, real value is 
so rapidly being courted by some of the big global players and we're not naive to think that we're going to be able to do this from scratch and take it globally ourselves. This is about partnerships and partnerships to take the scale. And you can find out more about the company and you can invest if you're interested at gridsmartercities.com and chat to Neil about his plans. And if you do, go tell him Highways News sent you. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. Before we go, let's tip our hat to somebody or some people doing amazing things for our industry. It's time for... Adrian's Accolade. Adrian, who wins this week? And my accolade this week goes to the teams at Birmingham City Council. Birmingham Highways, which includes Contractor Key Highways. They have launched their own campaign, Expect Respect, which highlights the challenges around road worker abuse. In the last three years, 465 incidents of road worker abuse have been reported in Birmingham. And that's why this week, organisations and companies that work to improve Birmingham roads have launched a new campaign to urge the public to respect its road workers. The incidents include residents threatening road workers with weapons such as machetes, crossbows and dogs. One driver threatened to chop off an operative's head with an electric handsaw unless he was allowed through a closed road. Worthy winners of my accolade this week. Adrian's hat well and truly tipped into such an important issue as tackling road worker abuse. Such abuse is just not acceptable and we have to stop these useless, nasty thugs from threatening our people. So another Highways Voices podcast is completed. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up next week. And of course, every day in text on highwaysnews.com. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 